Let's disrespect Jeff Bezos a little oh, okay. bit, though, in, in well, lieu of that. Well, do you want to laugh? Because you, your laugh is pretty I do similar have a to laugh. him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty scary Yeah, it's laugh. very close. But, you know, I love myself. I accept yep. myself for who yeah. I am. Yeah. And uh, I'm not an evil billionaire. No, you are not. So We would not be friends if you were. No, yeah. we wouldn't. I'd yeah. probably hunt you for sport. Yeah, you probably would. <laughs> or exploit me at one of your warehouses. Hooray! Oh. Hybrid Pub Scout Podcast with me, Emily Einolander. And me, Corinne Kalassi. Hello! I missed you so I much! You <laughs> we are mapping the frontier between traditional and indie publishing. And uh, today we're going to, later in the show, have an interview with uh, Mr. Chris Curran, who is a librarian extraordinaire in Sacramento, Mm -hmm. California. But before that, we're going to have a nice chat because we haven't done that for a while. How are you doing, Corinne? I'm, you know, hanging in there. (laughs) What have you, where have you been? What have you been doing? I'm so glad you asked. Um, Me and my boyfriend bought a house, so I've been moving. Uh, And Emily and her husband very graciously helped us move. Mr. And JT, who makes a very sexy dragon. Yes, that's true. He does. He does. <laughs> um, and those are true friends, I have to say. People will help you move. Like, fuck all the rest of them. The friends who will help you move are true friends. So, when, thank w- you. When we got that truck, you yeah. were, you're welcome. We got that truck, and I was like, JT, you're going to have to help everybody move. <laughs> and he was like, that's okay. Aww. I was like, you're great. Yeah, he you're is so great. great. It's true. So, before we move on, yes. I want to plug uh-huh. the giveaway that we are having oh, yeah. right now. Let's do it. So, if you go to um, hybridpubscout.com, you will see in the menu bar there is a uh, item that says win a book. If you click on that, you enter and um, you might win a book. You might win a book. Yeah, who it knows would what'll happen? <laughs> be the People's Guide to Publishing. A People's Guide to Publishing by Joe Beal, who I interviewed in the last episode. And it's a really good book. It talks about pretty much everything you need to know and has a lot of anecdotal evidence to go with it. Lots of fun stuff yeah. all over the place. Yeah. And uh, the more the more you share, mm-hmm. the more you like, the more entries you get. So, um, yeah. so do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So today we wanted to talk a little bit about the big news, which by the time this comes out will ha- have been week old news, of yeah, course. Right. But that's okay because it's worth talking about. For sure. And we For have sure. been talking about it a lot. And that is Amazon pulls out of planned New York City headquarters. Hooray! Hey! Congratulations, hey! New Yorkers. Queens. How's that voice disaster. go? Okay. All right. So let's let's get down on it. Um, do you want to... We're reading the New York Times article that came out today, February 14th, 2019 by J. David Goodman. Mm. Mm. I'm sure yeah. he's a wonderful man. I'm sorry. He probably is. Making yeah. fun of his yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm just going to read the beginning of this to lay the groundwork. Lay that groundwork. All right. Um, Amazon on Thursday canceled its plans to build an expansive corporate campus in New York City after facing an unexpectedly fierce backlash from some lawmakers and union leaders who contended that a tech giant did not deserve nearly $3 billion in government incentives. 
The company, as part of its extensive search for a new headquarters, had chosen Long Island City, Queens, as one of two winning sites, saying that it would create more than 25,000 jobs in the city. But the agreement to lure Amazon started an intense debate about the use of public subsidies to entice wealthy companies, the rising cost of living in a rapidly gentrifying neighborhoods, and the city's very identity. A number of state and local politicians have made it clear that they oppose our presence and will not work with us to build the type of relationships that are required to go forward, Amazon said in a statement. Yeah. So. 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 So the. So butthurt. You know, the governor is angry and they're all blaming uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, of course. because it's all her fault. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, she did this single-handedly. Man, like the thickness of her skin yeah. is really oh impressive God. to me. I know, I know. Anyway, we're not talking about her, though. No. Um. So, yeah, they agreed to pull out of New York on Wednesday evening, according to two people familiar with the decision. <laughs> Protected <laughs> informants. <laughs> the company did not inform the governor or the mayor until Thursday morning, shortly before posting this announcement. Oh, so polite of them. <laughs> yes. They do like drop in the news. Yeah. And they're like, they no, do. I was about to compare them favorably to someone, so I'm not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, never do that. Okay. <laughs> uh, how should my voice sound? Should I sound, I should talk like this, right? Because sure. that's how tech boys talk. Yes, that is how they talk. This is how tech people talk. <laughs> After much thought and deliberation, we've decided not to move forward with our plans to build a headquarters for Amazon in Long Island City, Queens. For Amazon... The commitment to build a new headquarters requires positive collaborative relationships with state and local elected officials who will be supportive over the long term. While polls show that 70% of New Yorkers support our plans and investment, a number of state and local politicians have made it clear that they oppose our presence and will not work with us to build the type of relationships that are required to go forward with the project we and many others envisioned in Long Island City. We are disappointed to have reached this conclusion. We love New York. It's incomparable dynamism, people and culture, and particularly the community community of Long Island City, where we've gotten to know so many optimistic, forward-leaning community leaders, small business owners, and residents. There are currently over 5,000 Amazon employees in Brooklyn, Manhattan, and Staten Island, and we plan to continue growing these teams. I'm stopping here. Okay. <laughs> it's really it's like two stop. more paragraphs yeah. and also like they say that they have 5,000 employees but right. they also said that they didn't hire any employees mm-hmm. that came through to uh, work with the city council and right. go to these hearings at all so yeah. I thought that was interesting it is yeah it's uh I don't know I mean it's Interesting to me that they thought they could just go into, I mean, especially a city like, I don't know. I mean, especially a city known for its mean people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, though, having lived in New York, I do not think New Yorkers are rude. I think they're just always in a hurry. So it's more about like their lack of time than it is about their like rudeness. At least that's what I found anyway. But I'll just stick up for them on that count because I think that's true. I mean, I, I don't. I don't necessarily mind mean people yeah, yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, but yeah, not yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah, and it can be funny, honestly. I mean, most of the time it's just amusing, anyway. So that's fine. Um, so we already talked about. Yeah, they only moved a. Co- they moved like one person there. Yeah, it I says. Think, is that right? Well, here's what it says. It okay. says the company did not hire a single New Yorker as an employee to represent 
it in discussions with local groups. Good move. <laughs> they were just so confident. They were. That's yeah. A, yeah. It's Go overconfidence. On. Yeah, exactly. Its main representatives traveled between Washington and Manhattan, and only one had moved into an apartment to work with community members and foster support. Yeah. Um. Do you want to attra- uh, say what they did to attract? Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, they offered, oh yeah, so to attract Amazon, city and state officials offered the company one of the largest ever incentive packages in exchange for a much larger return in jobs and tax revenue. They agreed to remake plans for the Queen's waterfront and move a distribution center for school lunches. They even agreed to give Mr. Bezos access to a helipad. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a deal breaker. That if you is don't certainly do that. a deal breaker. Yeah, maybe if they hadn't promised a helipad, Amazon would have walked earlier. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going home. Yeah. Oh, that's like this guy, <laughs> um, uh, State Senator Michael Giannaris. Oh yeah, the Giannaris. Giannaris. That's a, yeah, Giannaris. I mean, Giannaris. I don't know. That's one of it's the. It's probably two. another Greek name. I'm mispronouncing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Greek people. I'm she being... doesn't do it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> microaggressions against Greek names oh, once again I'm sorry but he says like a petulant child Amazon insists on getting its way or takes its ball and leaves said Mr. Generis, a Democrat whose district includes Long Island City the only thing that happened here is that a community was going to be profoundly affected by their presence started asking questions yeah he, yeah so what they said they were going to do under the plan, within 15 years, the company could occupy as much as 8 million square feet of office space, including office buildings for as many as as 40,000 workers. Oh, my God. Just like they're creating. Did you did you end up seeing Sorry to Bother You? Uh, yes, I did. It's like that company that's what was it called? Oh, I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, that was a weird movie. I mean, it was good, but it did not go in the direction that I thought no, it was headed toward. Worry free. Ah, worry-free. Worry-free. So they're <laughs> they're trying to encourage all of their workers to move in uh-huh. and like live at the at yeah. the company, like right, like Facebook. Yeah. So <gasps> interesting. It all parallel. makes so much sense. It really does. If you're it like does. taking up that much space, everyone mm-hmm. around you is like it's like a company town. Yeah, it totally is. That's yeah. true. Which is what Seattle has become. <laughs> uh, well, the the one thing I also wanted to say that I thought was interesting is that. Uh, when I think Amazon had meetings with, uh, who was this again? Um, oh, but uh, blah, blah, blah. When, okay, Mr. Cuomo had brokered a meeting between Amazon executives uh, who and this one, Brian Huseman, who had represented the company at the city councilor and union leaders who had been resistant to the deal. Uh, the meeting ended without any compromise on the part of Amazon, despite the fact that the unions were willing to work with them on some things and they weren't completely like, we don't want any part of this. Um, and, uh, one of the guys said, uh, one of the guys from the union said, shame on them. The arrogance of saying, do it my way or not at all, which I think is pretty, I mean, well, and the funny, but the thing is the fact that they were even talking to union people at Mm -hmm. all is so outside the realm of their values. Like the worst thing that could happen to Amazon is for their employees to unionize. And so for them to be sitting there talking to unions, it's like, why even bother? Honestly? Anyway, so they're, what they're going to do now, um, take their ball and go home. Well, honestly, (laughs) see, I would be very happy if Amazon were destroyed. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, same. But, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so either. And I think there are ways to, 
like diminish its power. Uh huh. And I think that what they are planning to do mm-hmm. w- is actually something that could potentially be helpful for jobs. Uh huh. And like more realistic and not necessarily taking over a city. Yeah. Right. Right. Because then they, you know, they're spread out. So the, mm-hmm. what they're going to do, the company had chosen New York as well as a site in Northern Virginia for a major expansion. On Thursday, it said it had no plans to reopen a search for a second location. Amazon still planned to add 25,000 jobs in Northern Virginia and 5,000 in Nashville, where it announced a project to build a center for its operations. It will take the 25,000 jobs that would have gone to Queens and spread them out over its 17 tech hubs across the United States and Canada, including Manhattan. So they're just going to like hire all over the place, Uh which which is more helpful. Yeah, I think so, too. Because what you said about Seattle is this, Mm -hmm. it just... Yeah. Flew in a bunch of new people. Exactly. And yeah. if they're in urban centers, there's bound to be some people in the city who could benefit from the jobs. Yeah. Absolutely. Without them like destroying. Taking over the entire city and turning it, it into a. And yeah. destroying rent. Yes. Like, right. I mean, as. Displacing homeless people. In as much as there like is anywhere affordable to live in oh, this country God. anymore. No, seriously. I know. It's sad. Yeah. So that's, that's the big news. Mm-hmm. And, um. It's it's not as if it's really going to hurt them, hurt them. Yeah. But I think that any any progress is good progress. Uh-huh. And yeah. like yeah. to see that someone can fight them and win. Yes, totally. Is, That's huge. It, it, even as just an emotional mm-hmm. tool. Yeah. Because people see that and they're like, oh, right. They can they can be pushed away. Yeah. Like yeah. they can be right. forced to uh, forced to acclimate to other people's will. Right. Yeah. They can do the right thing. Well, even if they're forced to do it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I mean, that's the well, right thing. I well, think it's more it's just the right like thing for New York. <laughs> I mean, if a, if you're like waving a stick at someone who's trying to get into your house mm-hmm. and you're about to bash them in the head. Yeah. Like I wouldn't call them running away from you doing the right well, thing necessarily. Well, they're doing the right thing for themselves. That's see <laughs> exactly, which is just like Amazon. Exactly. So congratulations on putting your self interest above everything else. I mean, As that's usual. that's. I mean, Ayn Rand. Yeah, exactly. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Thank oh. you for prioritizing yourself, Ayn Rand. <laughs> Uh, we have Chris Curran here today, and he is uh, he works for Sacramento Public Library. That's right. Um, I'm a library assistant with Sacramento Public Library, um, the Rancho Cordova branch, if you want to get specific. Ooh. Rancho Cordova is about 10 miles east of Sacramento. Well, we have <laughs> questions about libraries because we're we're in the soulless money making portion of uh, of the book world. Yes, all we care about is money, right? Um, and y- librarians are the more community oriented, altruistic type people. So we want to know what it's like to be community oriented and altruistic. All right, so let's start with the obvious question: What made you realize you wanted to be a librarian? Well, um, so to be perfectly honest, what originally got me thinking about um, uh, library science in general um, was entirely, entirely uh, self-gratification. My background uh, is in historical research. That's uh, what I actually went to Sac State, um, California State University, Sacramento, uh, for with a, a bachelor's in history with an emphasis in research. 
And uh, the best way I thought uh, to gain access to all of these fabulous materials um, would would be working in uh, working in a library and working as a librarian. Then, you know, as I looked more um, into it, I did start to see some of the more I, I, I started to see uh, uh how a librarian's job, especially working in a public setting, a public library setting, um, definitely had more of a, uh, a social work aspect to it, um, helping people find information uh, and helping everybody improve their lives. And I, I find that incredibly fulfilling. Um, so to prepare, other than your uh, historical education, um or your history education <laughs> and a minor yes. in research. Yes. And your minor in research. Yes. Um, how else did you prepare to, um, to embark on this career? Well, in order to be a librarian, you need to have the equivalent of a master's degree in um, library science. It goes by a couple of, you know, depending on the program, depending on the university, it goes by a couple of, you know, different monikers. Um, I'm currently in the master's program at, uh, uh, San Jose State University, uh, the Master's in Library and Information Science. There are other programs that are just Master's in Information Science, Master's in Library Science. What's the difference there, between information? Well, yeah. So I always liken it to the difference between, um, say, a practicing physician, a, a physician that has their own private practice versus a research physician working in, say, more of a university setting or um, a research setting looking for cures, you know, okay. for cancer or, or AIDS or something like that. Okay. Um, so you have library science, which is more of that, you know, practicing physician, you know, the, the general practitioner. And then you have the information scientist. I call them the meta librarian. Ooh. The information scientist studies, this is when we start getting more into the social science aspect of um, information, information seeking behavior. Um, <laughs> is that, is that in your, in your classes? Oh, yes. <laughs> that phrase repeated over and over again. Um, Librarians will know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, so, so the information scientist will um, look at uh, how how people look for information and uh, how to change um, cataloging schema and how to how to better organize information and make it available to um, the audience. Um, and I, I should I should pause here really quickly that. Um, the the point the the mission of the library has of a library in general has always been to make information accessible to its audience in the case of say a public library its audience is the public in the case of a university library its audience is um uh the university community students faculty and other people working at working for the university so while the information scientist looks at information-seeking behaviors of people, and let's be honest, Google has definitely affected that. Yeah. Um, and uh, they look at they look at how people seek information and how better to to make that information accessible. 
That almost sounds like uh, what are you talking about? Google. It sounds like UX or UI design for a website or um, any other like system in which people have to uh, like medical systems where they have to organize like what do you need? How do you need it? Uh, how do you progress from one screen to another? Like, it's, oh, uh, do you find that people who are in information library science uh, are able to find careers in that area? Because it sounds like it might feed into it really well. Absolutely. Um, so we, we as um, library science students, we have to um, take uh, many classes right now, especially in um, computer and database design. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Database design, um, OPAC design, online public access catalog, okay, by the way. thank you. I was um, like, I didn't know what that was. <laughs> so, so we have to take several classes. Um, the way, okay, let me back up. The way that MLIS degrees are organized, you have to take, you know, core classes, three, in the case of San Jose, three core classes, one of which is information retrieval system design. And that kind of introduces you to um, the concepts of data, metadata, records, multifaceted search, and, and things like that. I bring this up because once when you pass these core classes, including IR system design, you then um, can kind of tailor the degree to whatever it is that you're, you're interested in. And I know plenty of people who have concentrated more on the um, more on the cataloging and um, information retrieval um, design aspect. And you see a lot of people going the quote unquote non-traditional route once when they graduate. And what I mean by that, instead of becoming archivists or, or librarians, um, they instead are hired on by big tech companies, people like Google, people like Facebook, people, uh, people who have to deal with massive, uh, well, inventories specifically, um, especially people like Blue Apron. Oh, yeah. And, and Netflix. So people are signing up for services. They have to keep track of all the accounts and all of the things that are available to the people with accounts. Exactly. And how people, how the customer will, um, will look for that. So in the case of, in the case of something like, um, like Blue Apron, you know, you have the customer looking for, I don't know, potato. So, so how do we as a taxonomist, as a, um, somebody designing the, um, the database or the, um, the catalog, how do we classify a potato? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and this is when we start, you know, people get into heated arguments. Okay, well, so how how do we differentiate between a, you know, an Idaho potato and, uh, I don't know, a sweet potato or something, yeah. which is not a potato. Ooh. Oh, it's not? Getting, getting, you, have opinions, getting, you have opinions about potatoes, I can, <laughs> I can tell. So you're saying people get into heated arguments, but you mean you have gotten into a heated <laughs> argument about potatoes. Not necessarily potatoes. I think it was over shoot. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, so how do we classify a potato? Are people looking for potatoes or are they looking for, you know, the, the, the brown Idaho potato? So what do we do when we create the database? Yeah, when we create the catalog, when people search, what should they land on first? Should they land on basic potato? Right. Record that has been further 
delineated between the different kinds of potato, or should we just give them all of the potatoes at once? Wow. <laughs> I want all and the potatoes. Figure it out on their own. Yeah. Right. So, so that's when you start getting into um, taxonomy. I think I threw that out. Yeah. Um, the idea of um, creating um, headings and subheadings and then sub subheadings and sub sub subheadings and on down the line. And um, yeah, you have big tech companies, people again, like, um, like Blue Apron hiring taxonomists um, who have MLIS degrees or the equivalent. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. So that. Non-traditional route. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you have, um, you know, people going the traditional route, people who go into, um, uh, who become librarians or, or ar- archivists um, and who then try to figure out in a more traditional sense when you create an, when you create an online public access catalog and OPAC, how, what do, what does our audience want when they land, when they're searching for something and, and when they land on a page, what information do they want? What goes into the items record? What go, how do we tag it? How do we change a keyword search versus a subject search? Right. Wow. Genuinely. Thank you for that. I was about to ask like, what, what role does technology play? But I think that you've, uh, now we kind know. of, a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we know. Yeah. We have to be honest now. The internet has changed. And here we go again, information seeking behavior. Yeah. Um, people expect when they walk into a library, when they use an OPAC, um, or when they're looking for a book on the shelves, when they're browsing, you know, when they're browsing on the shelves, they are used to the Google experience or the Yahoo experience or, you know, whatever. Um, they want and it all, now. Yeah, exactly. They want it now, but they don't exactly know how to, how to perform the search and how to sift through relevant and irrelevant information. So that's, that's kind of why you have that. That's not kind of, that is why you have librarians. That is why you have library staff. Our job is to, is to uh, provide, is to construct the query, um, yeah. is to construct the query. That is our job. And it's that, that aspect has never really changed. Right. Technology has, you know, as the march of progress has gone forward, but the tools that we now use has changed. Yeah. And made our lives easier and the patrons' lives easier and our lives more difficult and the patrons' lives more difficult. Yeah, raising the standards or raising the stakes a little bit is kind of what it sounds like to me. Like everything needs to be done at in some ways a lower level because you don't have to go through as much labor, but on other in other ways a higher level because you need to move more quickly and through like more available information. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And if I can, if I can use a classic example really quick. um, So we as, so we as library staff, we have to, or we oftentimes have to sift through um, what the patron is looking for. A patron comes up to us and comes up to me and asks me, and here's a classic example. They say they want to learn more about China. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I go, okay, you want to learn more about China. Now, are you looking more at the demographics? Are you looking more at the geography? Are you looking more at the culture? And then the patron will say, no, 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 no. My grandmother just died and she left me her um, teapot. 
Oh. I was more about China, China as as oh. a. <laughs> Oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> and so that is a that is a classic example mm-hmm. um, of how the librarian's um, interaction with the patron can change or can can kind of get at the heart of what the what the patron is looking for. And um, now I know now I, the librarian, know how to construct more efficiently construct the patron query. Yeah. So this is this is a ridiculous example of what we're talking of of what I'm talking about but it's it's very illustrative so now I know to now I know to search for ceramics I need to broaden the search to ceramics for instance or I need to narrow it to ceramics um, a patron might not necessarily know how to sift through the irrelevancies to right. find what they are looking for it's my job to know how to do that it sounds like in in addition to being able to figure out those search terms that you also exactly. need to have a little bit of a psychological understanding of, of how people approach things like, Absolutely. yeah, a, a, an ability to read people and read people's intentions. Absolutely. And that's why, that's why when you, when, okay, here's something I find incredibly surprising. Um, yes. Uh, to everybody who is listening, the Dewey Decimal System still exists. <laughs> Are there people and who think it doesn't? Yes. No, people come in and they say, oh, do you, ha ha ha, do you remember the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> I'm like, oh. yes. Every I, day. Oh my God. In, in fact, California history is in the 970s. <laughs> um <laughs> 979 i want to be I, I think but i could be wrong yeah, on that and we're yeah. gonna test this we're, yeah we're doing a test <laughs> but um we don't know how to judge it because we know nothing about <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> i wouldn't necessarily expect you to but that's my job well it's your job yeah yeah literally. yeah what about what about is- card catalogs with literal literal cards yeah do those still oh, exist Absolutely, they still exist. Really? Oh, that makes mm-hmm. me happy. That makes us very happy. Yeah, <laughs> they they still exist, and there's you know a lot of conversation about how is that converted? How do you convert a card catalog into a digital into a digital um, realm? I think we're gonna get a little more into the day to day life of a librarian, a public librarian, though, um, rather than a research oriented librarian. Um, but yeah, put a pin in that. We'll talk more about it later off offline. (laughs) This is like when people say, when people say, Oh God, I'm such a nerd because they play video games (laughs) or they go to Marvel movies, like get out of here. Like this is some real nerd stuff. And like, if you think you're a nerd, like you can't play, you're not allowed. Yes. So, However, with that said, we do have a sizable collection of video games and um, uh, <laughs> uh, consoles. Wait, why do you rent out consoles to people? See, here we go. We're I moving think, into yeah, the game thing. Yeah. I think so. Don't don't I, don't show I, up at his workplace yeah. and go, where is my PlayStation? Where's Chris? my Sega you Genesis? Can... No, no, no. It doesn't, it doesn't quite I want work. an old Nintendo. I want the original Nintendo. Why do can't you, you have give that an Atari? Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm sorry about old NES cartridges, the yeah. kind that you, you know, you blew into. Yeah, uh-huh. Yes. Um, housed in a deep, dark basement of the central branch of the and it's awesome. Oh yeah. my god, so no, you I'm, guys, I'm when, when you've had a long day, you go down there and play NES? I should propose that. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like should. a good after party. Yeah. Like after work party. <laughs> yeah. We just come to my house and do a podcast and, and drink uh, Santa Cosmos. <laughs> yep. Um, so so let's talk let's talk more about the uh, you know not necessarily the after parties of the yeah. library, which um, I'll let you keep to yourself for now. Maybe we can like discuss that later. So wild. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. So what what does your day to day look like? Um, my day to day. So uh, so. Uh, another thing that shocks me, um, <laughs> when when people come in and they see me sitting at the circulation desk, I, very, very frequently I am asked, are you a volunteer? Oh, my God. Really? So, so, so let me s- tell your listeners yes. that people sitting at the circulation desk, yes, they are gainfully employed. <laughs> um, very hard. <laughs> Is it because so, you're not um, you're not the stereotypical like older woman with uh, glasses yeah. type? Is that why? Do you think? Um, <laughs> he is making no a comment. face. Okay, no comment. <laughs> We're trying to keep it on the up and up, which is why I said stuff <laughs> um, no instead comment. of what I would normally say. <laughs> um, no. I, I, we understand I we're just, publishing what? people. We we wear glasses too. Yeah. I just yes. got contact lenses. It was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I can touch my eyeball now. <laughs> it's a brand new day. Um, I feel a lot stronger in general. <laughs> okay. So you sit at the circulation desk. People ask you if you're a volunteer. You're not a volunteer. You're a hardcore librarian worker who um, puts themselves on the line every day to get people the information they need. Continue. There you go. Um, it should be said, I am not a librarian right now. I am a library assistant. So okay. let me tell you what that means. Aspiring librarian. Yeah. Librarian. Yeah. Training. How about a, a, a librarian with training wheels? Oh, okay. Um, librarian cadet. Oh. Sure. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a, so a librarian is a supervisory position. Okay. Um, they supervise personnel. They supervise collections. They supervise um, programs, um, library programs. I can go more into depth than that in a second. Um, so as a library assistant, my job is to – librarians do this too, but my job is to handle more the day-to-day um, tasks, interactions in the library. So I deal a lot with um, handing out library cards. Yes, those still exist, by the way. <laughs> yes, um, I, I have two. I have Washington <laughs> County and Multnomah County. Ah, ooh, ooh, we've got a hardcore Woo! library all up in here. Um, <laughs> Had to research people- a book. Okay. Now I got my job. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so, so if if you a patron walk into a library and you interact with a library worker, you're probably dealing with a with a library assistant or the equivalent job title. 
So I handle more the day-to-day circulation interactions, you know, check in, check out, library cards. Um, I field, personally, I field a lot of um, reference questions. That's the people coming in asking for, you know, directions to Kinko's, ranging from directions to Kinko's all the way to, um, I'm doing research on John Sutter. I need a book what, about China. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And specifically ceramics. Um, <laughs> but so I deal, I do that probably half of my day and the way it's set up at least, at least for us, I'm pretty sure it's, it's similar enough in other library systems. It's kind of an hour on hour off, mm, um, okay. kind of, kind of thing. So I spend an hour on, on the desk, as we say, mm-hmm. um, and then an hour off like and, and walking that, around that, or yeah. Well, no. So, so what am I doing the rest of the time? Yeah, I want to know what. Are you playing means. Nintendo? <laughs> like... Yeah. <laughs> so, so we have, in our case, we have a lot of different programs um, that the library um, puts on for for patron use. Obviously, for instance, uh, my my favorite um, because I am a big dog lover. I overlook Yay. the um, read to a dog program. No! So, so the, so what we do, we, um, partner with a local, um, helper dog. Oh, like service dogs? Uh, Yeah. Service dog. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't think of it. Or therapy. Um, There's a lot of dogs that help people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A therapy dog organization. Right. Um, these are the kind of folk that, that, these are the kinds of organizations I go around to, like nursing homes or or hospitals or or, hospitals or, mm-hmm. or airports now, or even universities. I know Sac State now has. Oh um, yeah, on campus. Mm-hmm. So we partner with the with organizations like that, and um, they come in once a month and bring in you know fully trained, fully um, accredited helper dogs, um, service dogs, um, to sit down in our community room. And the idea is that kids, kids that struggle uh, with their reading skills um, will come in and they will sit down and they will read to a dog who is a non-judgmental audience, right? And, and so they can read to a dog without fear of being judged, without um, worrying, you know, that they're not performing, you know, what they should. You know, this, it's a safe space. It's a safe space for kids who, who are struggling. And everybody um, in the class isn't, like, yeah. rolling their eyes at them or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's it's a very constructive program. And I got to be honest with you. I'm not I'm not there to look at the kids and and chart their progress or anything. That's that's not what this is about. This is just providing a safe space. So I'm facilitating that for mm-hmm. these kids. Um, and for anybody else really who wants to come in, we don't, we don't limit if, if let's say we have an ESL, um, a new arrival, mm. uh, come in and they're, and they want to practice their, their English reading or any language reading comprehension skills. Mm-hmm. Come one, come all. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah. How many people awesome. do you get for that? I, I knew about programs like this from, you know, I'm a Greyhound per- person um, yeah. Do you remember that Greyhound who was so sad that nobody came to read to him and there was that viral Facebook photo of this this sad white Greyhound lying on his side and it was like, I, I think it was like Mickey or something like that. Nobody came to read to Mickey Aww. today. 
<laughs> and then yeah. all of the kids went to the library to read to him after that. And it's like greyhounds just always look sad, guys. <laughs> I mean, just their natural demeanor. Yeah, but that's but that's how I became. Do you have a lot of people coming in, or do you have lonely, sad dogs Aww. waiting for the children? I've noticed that it definitely that that traffic patterns definitely change based upon what time of the year it is. Huh. So when school's in session, mm-hmm. guess what? We see more kids. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Makes, makes sense. sense. And sometimes it can be, there can be a bit of a line. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'd wait and, in line to read to a dog. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I waited in line to pet a dog during like midterms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's totally me. Oh my gosh. Um, so I don't know if I'll leave this in or not, but, um, (laughs) did I ever tell you about when my dad was having surgery? Um, I went to go hang out with him for a while and it was very soon after the surgery had happened. And he, um, was talking to my mom on the phone and (laughs) a service dog was coming down the hall and came into his room and he's like, I gotta go. I gotta go. There's a dog. (laughs) And he hung up on my mom. That is beautiful. It was the it was it was uh it was golden. I think she understands. We'll find out when she uh sends me her weekly email <laughs> or bi weekly weekly email. She is our number one fan. She and is. we are her number one fan. We are grateful. Yeah. Yes. Hi Mama E. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So that's one of the programs you work with. That's the that's your favorite. Um, I mean, it wouldn't it be anyone's? Like, yeah. let's be real. Come on. So we have a question from the uh, uh, the pool of listeners. Yes. Um, yeah. They said, "Oh, you're interviewing someone who works at a library, and this is a publishing person, an editor, and they were curious to know that um, if we want to support authors, we're not quite sure how." Um, the library purchasing system works and how much checking a book out of the library supports the author of said book. Um, so I kind of, we would like to know about like how the books get into the library, how often they're donated, how often they're bought and whether, um, whether the authors benefit from books that go to the library or, or um, less so. So, that is I know it's a huge it's a huge thing, but uh, yeah, for people in publishing, that's something I know. I mean, Corinne, you mm-hmm. go to did you go to ALA this year? Uh, going no, to? I'm going in a couple months. OK, yeah. And it's the uh, American Library Association trade yeah. show. Mm-hmm. So um, it's obviously important. Yeah. But we're not quite sure how it works. <laughs> so maybe you can speak to that a little bit at least. So that is so far outside my wheelhouse okay. um, <laughs> that, that, uh, as I, as I understand it, um, there, there are, there are metrics that the people working in, uh, uh, another acronym, CSD collection services department, I think, okay. um, is what that stands for. Um, there are metrics that they use to determine what is bought and um, um, how many are bought, okay. how many of a specific volume are bought, mm-hmm. and how many 
in a how many of a specific book, let's say, let's use a book as an example, how many books are bought based upon what anticipated um, demand mm-hmm. and what format they come in. Right. So do we want a regular, you know, a regular hardcover book mm-hmm. or do we want it released in um, CD audiobook? Do we want it re- do how many um, quote unquote copies? And you guys can probably um, talk to me, can probably talk to this more than I could. How many ebooks? Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. How I know many there are some people audio- who like have expertise in like the uh, like overdrive and the systems that. And that's one program we use. Yeah. That's one app. We use Overdrive, we use Libby, which is right, right. somehow related to Overdrive, um, and uh, Hoopla. Libby's, Libby's for um, audiobooks, right? Or is that correct? I thought they also they also did um, e-books as well, but, but I could be way off the mark. This is something we have to look up. I have been working in publishing for two years. <laughs> <laughs> and I work for a public library, and I pride myself on my... <laughs> <laughs> on my record skills. So, it's Friday I'm night. Yeah. yeah exactly. um, you know what? I'm off the clock. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> yep. Never off the clock. Um, <laughs> it's always about the books. Clap, clap. That's clap. right. It's always yeah. books o'clock. Books o'clock. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> safe, safe space. Safe space. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate um, that. Yes. <laughs> so in terms of how it benefits the author, that is a great question. Um, you know, before before I got into library science, um, I was a classical musician. And um, I know as a classical music student that People will always say, oh, well, why don't you perform, you know, at my daughter's bat mitzvah? Um, <laughs> we won't pay you, but 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 you'll be paid an exposure. Oh, you know? oh God. Sorry. So, so I, <laughs> I know how incredibly frustrated or how incredibly frustrating hearing that can be. Mm-hmm. So with that said, let me say that exact same thing. <laughs> Author exposure. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, the the library um, can provide a lot of exposure for, for authors. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting, and um, I don't, I don't know how, uh, how you guys are going to feel about this, but Sacramento public um, does offer self-publishing services. Oh, that's that's why our, our podcast is called Hybrid Pub Scout, and we're uh, mapping the frontier between traditional and indie publishing. So well, we sub- we we uh, we support all types of book yay. book creation and, and uh, circulation. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm sure a lot of other large library systems like Sacramento Public um, offer similar services um to folks like to to self-publishing folks um but anyway back to back to how that can benefit the author um library acquisitions can benefit an author um i'm sure that exposure um pays plays a large part um but many libraries and especially the larger ones um 
will host author visits. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. cool. One of one of my favorite YouTube channels um, is Ask a Mortician. Oh yeah! Um, Did you meet her? Yes. Oh, oh my God. that's so cool! Congratulations! I, I, I will show you a picture. Um, You would totally not remember this because, well, okay. The story is that um, uh, we had an author visit um, for her latest book. And we we also had an author visit for her um, first book. Mm -hmm. Um, Her first book was a memoir, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Tales from the Crematory, I think is what it's called. Uh Um, Her name is Caitlin Doty, by the way. Right, right. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Caitlin. I should probably put that in there. Um, Hi, Caitlin. I am a big fanboy of yours. Um, (laughs) But anyway, yeah, seriously. Um, I've spread your gospel. Um, Yes, that's how I I heard about her from you. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so we had author visit for both of her books. Mm -hmm. And um, so so we do introduce authors um, that way. And sometimes, you know, some of the more um, controversial and um, oftentimes we will have self-published authors or even not, you know, non-self-published authors come to the library and ask if they can host um, or if they can have uh, book signings and, and such. Yeah. Libraries are very big fans of that. Wow. Absolutely. I guess I very- thought of bookstores more as the place for authors. Yeah. 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 Have you, Corinne, Corinne is uh, in marketing. I am. Um so yeah, so mm-hmm. she she's kind of uh, on the pulse of of finding places yes, for of events, yeah, events, right. events yeah. for authors. So yeah. have you have you had uh, readings at libraries? That I you think know of? maybe oh, when I worked for a past publisher, I probably did. I'm just blanking on it now, oh, okay. but I feel like I have in the past. We should ask so, Sarah. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should. Yeah. our publicity. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Um. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Your local your local library would be a great place yeah. um, to to consider as well. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I do know that oftentimes, you know, we will have authors of you know varying persuasions, mm-hmm. um, self published, um, you know, or fully published, um, traditionally published, traditional published, yeah. Traditional published, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and they will and they will hold up a copy of their book and they and they will say, "Do you have a copy of this?" And we oh. will sometimes say, "No, we don't." Uh-huh, and then right. they will just donate it to us, oh, and then we will okay. we'll send it down to um, collection services mm-hmm. uh, to have it cataloged, have it put into the OPAC, have it ultimately put into our rotating collection. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I know that in um, so I I say I know. Um, I just know it exists. I don't know the details, but I remember several months ago, there was a little bit of a kerfuffle with uh, libraries and, oh, I forget which company. It was one of the big five publishing companies uh, raised their ebook prices a lot for library systems because um, from what I understand, they do it on a number of checkout spaces. And it's like once you have a certain number of checkouts, you have to pay another fee. So it's like a licensing fee. So, um, yeah, it's not it's not like you can keep it until it falls apart sort of situation. It's like once you buy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With an ebook, it's like you license it per several 
uh, you know, like dozen reads. Yeah. Or and so yeah, it sounds like the uh, the electronic side of things is easier to monetize for publishing companies, and so they're trying to work harder to get that money from the libraries, and that's been a little bit controversial. So I can totally see that. I hadn't. I heard about it, but I. I to be perfectly honest, I hadn't followed up on that. Yeah, it's not um, something that's been part of your purview, I guess, like the... Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have like a buyer for the library. You have the... Uh, I forget the acronym. Yes, we have we have collection services. That was um, it is, yeah. Which has... CSD. Yes, you said. right. Um, a, a number of people in them. What that number is, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but... Um, and I know uh, that, again, they apply certain metrics um, to it. And then they also, um, you can always, always suggest, you, a patron, can suggest a title to a library. Right. Always. Yeah. yeah. And um, remember, a library's job is to meet the information need of its audience. Mm-hmm. That's its job. Yeah. And if the information need is, um, you know, to... Uh, um, have a certain author in the collection, a high demand author in the collection. The library will meet that mm-hmm. as best it can. In in the case of larger public systems such as Sacramento, um, more copies will be bought. Um, but if you have a smaller system out in my hometown of Lompoc, beautiful <laughs> Lompoc, California, who is part of a larger system, I think Santa Barbara. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they again they will have less resources money to buy copies as well but you can always suggest a title um to be put on uh to be put on a shelf you can always request that copies you know certain titles be taken off a shelf but you can always you can always ask to have a copy put on or to have a title taken off the shelf libraries will probably gleefully um say no everything on the shelf yeah i'm of the opinion personally i'm of the opinion and many other people are a good library has something in it to offend everyone yeah yeah so um, every year the ala um and libraries in general but the ala will will gleefully host uh banned books week Mm -hmm. yeah yep yeah well, Band Books Week, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, <laughs> and libraries will gleefully, gleefully sponsor it and and have talks about banned books and, um, you know, specifically highlight certain titles. But anyway, back to collections and acquisitions. That is a that is a a thing unto itself that I'm not entirely familiar with, to be honest. I'm sure within like a year you will be an, an expert. expert. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> it's a Chekhov's gun of uh, information yeah. seeking. <laughs> well, we're going to ask the fun questions now. Yeah. Those are um, mostly Corinne's questions. Yes, they are. Because, um, I love fun. Yeah. That's why. And you can hear her okay? Yeah. Okay. She yeah. said, okay, good. I love fun. <laughs> I hate fun. <laughs> Yeah, I'm known fun as the fun one. On the She's the fun one. I'm, I'm the, just kidding. I'm We're the, both fun. Um, straight laced one. No, you're not. Because that's how Virgos and Aquarius is. That's work, true. Is Aquarians yeah. are the straight laced ones and Virgos are oh, the fun Oh, yeah, ones. that totally makes sense. That's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, go for so it. So my first fun question is, mm-hmm. do you judge people for the books that they check out of the library? For example, if someone comes up to you and they're like, I want to check these five Nicholas Sparks books out, do you uh, judge them for their poor literary taste? <laughs> this face he's making right now. Is, uh, I mean, is obviously like, oh, no. you're like cordial Don't. to them. But <laughs> this is the you thing do. you should okay, not have asked me. <laughs> um, Fill in the blanks. Yeah. No. I. Okay. Okay. Here's, here's how I kind of think about it. Okay. When doctors and surgeons... You know, when when they're on the clock, Mm -hmm. they are professional. Right. I think of it that way, too. Mm -hmm. When when I'm on the clock and when I'm doing my job and, you know, my job is to provide information to the public. Yeah. And whatever that information may be. Mm -hmm. When I'm on that, that is what I'm there to do, Mm -hmm. regardless of what that information is. Right. I am there to provide information. Okay. And no, I don't. I, I. I kind of go into professional mode. I don't mm-hmm. know how to, I don't know how better to explain that. Sure. I wish I could give you a juicier answer. No, than that's that. okay. That's okay. You just like, you do you. Yeah. Yeah. People. Right. However, to that point, something else does kind of creep up in my little head where, you know, if something is coming across the circ desk, you know, the party line is to, is to not really comment on what somebody is checking out. Mm-hmm. But if I do notice something like, um, I don't know. They're lo- they're they they're checking out something that has to do with California history, for instance. Okay. And then you know I will I will look at what they have, and then I will say, oh, I see you're interested in in California history. Are you? Is there something specific that you're that you're hoping to research? And they say, well, yes, I'm I'm interested in um, agriculture mm-hmm. in early 20th century California. Oh, okay, cool. Well, there is a book. I forget the ty- I forget the uh, the author's name, but it's called California Dreamin', and it's about um, the foundation of uh, agroverbs, mm-hmm. um, as the historian coined them um, in California. Specifically, he uses case studies of um, Orange uh, down in down in well Orange County. Um, mm-hmm. He also he also very specifically has case studies on Orange Vale which is east of Sacramento, and Fair Oaks, which is also east of Sacramento. The point I'm getting at is that, no, while I may not judge a person mm-hmm. for what they're checking out, right. I sometimes will look at what they're, what they're checking out. And if it's innocuous enough, mm-hmm. you know, I might make a recommendation. Yeah, sure. So, so you're, that, you're a bit like that. If you liked this, you'll like this. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I yeah. am a walking and talking reading recommendation machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. It is. What is the oddest request that you've gotten from a patron? I mean, not even in terms of like books or materials or anything, but just in terms of like, are you like before when you were, uh, you were like, you know, somebody asked me where the Kinko's was or something like that, like just random requests. There have been, Plenty of instances when it's like disengage, disengage, oh, disengage. Okay. Sure. Like, oh, I, I think I hear my, I think I hear the branch supervisor calling my name. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, still one of my favorites is, are you a volunteer? Right. And right, I get right. that over and over and over again. That's so. Weird. Um, no, I am gainfully employed. Thank yeah. you very much. Also, like, who cares? Yeah. Right. <laughs> God. I don't know if this is necessarily strange, mm-hmm. but. I do get 
It's strange to me. How about that? Where I get asked over and over again, there are still libraries. Oh, what? Are you kidding? Who are these people? Yeah. All the time. Oh, my God. All the time. Well, doesn't Google take care of that? Oh, my God. Seriously. (laughs) The answer is no, because someone doesn't necessarily know how to filter out information. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, and how to filter out irrelevancies. Yeah. And I'm I'm sorry, I I keep harping on this. Mm but Google will, Google and computers will return a crap ton of information, right. most of it irrelevant, and it has absolutely nothing to do with what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and the algorithms, sure, the algorithms every day are being improved upon and becoming more, and, and computers every day think more and more like we do, but mm-hmm. it, it's never going to happen. They're never going to make the same kind of connections that yeah. the human mind can. Right. Um, so there will always need to be an, a quote-unquote information professional. Mm-hmm. Um, like back in the 80s and 90s, um, do you remember this? Well, no, because we weren't really adults back then. But um, when, you know, secre- the, the secretary was, the job title secretary was rebranded and, they, and now they became like executive assistants. Uh-huh. Or administrative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Some, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, well, kind of, you, you see librarian being rebranded that uh, rebranded like that. Oh, and yeah. um, information professional oh. is more and more frequently used. Mm-hmm. And um, it's more illustrative, yeah. I think. But I think that the information professional title is more descriptive and more illustrative of the job mm-hmm. and, and the role that they play. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, All right, Chris, do you have any closing remarks you would like to make about uh, your profession? Um, whatever. Anything about books that you would like to share with our book loving listeners? I love books. That's a good start. I, 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 yeah. I love book. Um, it's book o'clock somewhere um and i am a firm believer in you know the transformative power of books Mm -hmm. um and the worlds that they can open up you know we've all heard this before books open doors for people they they um uh make people better better people. They teach people how to empathize, which, um, yeah. you know, is especially important yeah. now. Um, especially important now. And, uh, book good. Yeah. Now, <laughs> good. That's now, my new bumper sticker. And I'm going to put a, 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 a M dash and then your name. Yeah. Um, in terms of my profession, yes, I am employed. I'm not a volunteer. Yes. Right. That's your biggest takeaway. (laughs) There are still libraries. There are still the Dewey, the, the, the catalogs, the Dewey decimal system and people who actually work in libraries and not just volunteer. Yep. Exactly. And the job of the library always has and always will be to make information accessible to its, to its audience. The, the fact that information 
is now record is now recorded on a variety of different media Mm -hmm. is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Right. Regardless of what the medium might be, um, the library will be there to provide it. I love that. I love that. And that's perfect for what we're trying to, uh, to unpack with this podcast, because we are trying to figure out how, um, all of these things come together to serve us and to serve the, uh, the uh, um, proliferation of mm-hmm. learning and, uh, you know, happiness yeah, right. <laughs> information yeah. in general, um, which I, I associate and I think you guys do too with, with books. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris, thank you so much for, uh, yeah, we, we're going to want to talk again yes, once you have sure. uh, new layers of expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, how much longer do you have in school? Uh, it's still another three semesters for me. Okay. Okay. So you're going to have like all kinds of new things to say at the end of that, I imagine. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, and a lot, hopefully a lot more, uh, fun experience. Um, You're going to have to start writing it down so you can report to us next time. That's true. Yeah. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Book good. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, I have a big announcement. Yes. I quit Audible today. Hooray! Yeah. I uh that was good that was one of my biggest barriers mm-hmm. to quitting Amazon. Like I haven't quit all the way. I do want to stay around for Kindle Unlimited because uh-huh. I want to support like yeah, self published sure. authors. Right, right. Um, but that's not who gets audiobooks usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they do, they're fine. Yeah. Don't need my help. So right. Much. True. But That's the true. point is, there is a new service called Libro FM, mm-hmm. and it is, it partners with independent bookstores. Mm-hmm. And so the audiobooks that you're buying are being bought through the site, but from in, an independent bookstore in your area. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's kind of a dream come true. Mm-hmm. I, as soon as I saw that, and it was like, in you live in Portland, so you're you would be supporting Powell's. Yeah. So like, I can get my audiobooks from Powell's mm-hmm. too. Yeah, through an app. Right, right. And I was like, okay, I have no excuse anymore. Yeah. So that's amazing. Well, congratulations. Thank you. How do you feel? I feel a lot better. Good. Like I was, yeah, I was walking around with lots of guilt (laughs) and also just like, wow, I I have no balls. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased with my decision. Yes. I'm pleased also. Thank you. I'm very happy for you. Yes. I'm very proud of you. Endless pride. Yeah, it's true. Um, so what are you reading? Oh, I am still reading The Road to Jonestown. Mostly, though, because I have been moving. Yes. Which is a massive undertaking. It is. And then and before that, you were at ALA. 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 Yes, I was up in Seattle visiting with librarians and other library-minded people. And it was really fun. <laughs> and everybody was... It was actually, like, really cool to talk to librarians because I think out of everyone in, like, sort of the book industry... They seem to be the most excited about books that I've spoken to, like my booksellers and whatever. Yeah, too, you know. Um, so anyway, that was uh, that was very, very cool. They're all very enthusiastic. They and, are. And it's yeah. good because 
there I mean even if they are you know employees yeah, getting paid sure, for what they sure. do there's an just an element of community service to it yeah that absolutely. I really respect well and I think uh getting your what library science degree is also like pretty grueling yeah so I feel like you have to be pretty passionate about it just to like get yourself through school yeah and get your degree so anyway but that I feel felt like that was uh, a highlight of the show was just the enthusiasm of like everyone who came up and talked to us so that was really cool to see so it's very exciting yeah so yeah. Kid, or hug your local librarian I was gonna say kiss them I was like that's don't do not that right. that's don't creepy. do that <laughs> also uh, ask permission before you give and them ask, a hug. I'm so sorry I'm giving the worst advice. only don't only hug that. them with their consent that's right okay maybe just wave to your librarian from across the room <laughs> go uh, check out a library book and as you are checking the yes. book out say I appreciate you yeah that's okay though thank you for checking me there yes that's much better that's much better <laughs> could it be so diplomatic and and woke it's true you I'm the wokest you are the wokest i'm not the wokest you know, she, well I, I do microaggressions mm. against greek names <laughs> oh god <laughs> well everybody's got their microaggressions i know i know what can you do you can be better you can be best <laughs> you can be best be best <laughs> <laughs> all right i am reading um, I just finished up a People's Guide to Publishing. Uh-huh. Enter the giveaway now through the 28th. Yep. Um, very good. Still working on the obelisk gate. Here's the problem. You start a bunch of books at once. Yeah. They all take a long time to get through. Right. I did finish The Road to Jenstown. Oh, okay. The thing is, like, after a certain point where I knew it, what yeah. happened, I was kind of just like, okay, I got to just get through the end because sure. I know. What's... Mm-hmm. If, if you don't know how it ends... Maybe yeah. Google it before you read <laughs> before this book. See if you really want to get into it. I wonder if anyone picked up that book without knowing what happened at the end. <laughs> They're just like, look at this guy's <laughs> hair. <laughs> he looked like a nice, charismatic man. I'm going to read about his this life seems story. The, it's a long book. Oh, my God. Can you imagine like some... I, I've met so many kind of like... El- not elderly but older men who work in business or mm-hmm. in politics and they're like all I read of biographies of great men <laughs> can you like imagine one of those guys just like picking that up and being like there's an entire book about this man on the cover <laughs> he seems great although it did happen would have happened during their lifetime yeah, so well, they probably there's no way that's yeah true. yeah and then uh, oh here's the thing uh-huh. that I really liked is I listened yeah. to an audiobook by Amy Gentry yes who wrote your uh, she wrote the 33 and a third uh book about Tori Amos's voice for Pele album she is also a really good fiction writer. Yeah, I'm really happy to hear Yeah, that. you should. Um, Last Woman Standing is her uh-huh. new book. And it is a uh, book about a female stand-up comic who uh, meets a woman with some vendettas against the tech companies that drove her out. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. And so she's, um, so the comic has had, um, has been driven out of uh-huh. uh, LA and she's oh. kind of nursing her wounds and then they meet each other in the bar Mm -hmm. and they kind of develop a strangers on a train deal Uh and it's uh both satisfying and complicated okay yeah because i mean on one hand you're like ooh, revenge fantasy i'm into it yeah but then you're also like this is a thriller so i'm supposed to be confused Mm -hmm. and it works yeah and it's also kind of funny yeah good I'm, I'm not used to thrillers like that being funny. I'm used yeah. to them being all like very serious. Gillian Flynn type uh, stuff. Sure, sure. But, yeah. 
Anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. good. We're both reading books. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us. I'm more proud of me than you because I am proud you of always you. read books. I'm proud of you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to today's episode. Uh, we were happy to talk to you. We were happy to talk to Chris. Yes. We were happy to talk to, about New York pushing out HQ2. Hell yeah. Motherfucker. <laughs> <And laughs> so, uh, Please like and subscribe. Um, subscribe to our newsletter. You'll get um, book recommendations. You'll be the first to know about the podcasts that go up. Um, like us on Facebook, mm-hmm. Hybrid Pub Scout, Twitter at Hybrid Pub Scout. We're on SoundCloud, Player FM, TuneIn, Podbean, and Apple. So thank you for coming back, Corinne. Yes, I thank you for having me back. I'm sorry it's been such a long absence. We It'll missed, never happen again. We all missed you. I missed so you much. too. I missed all of my faithful listeners. <laughs> I'd like to say sorry to all my fans <laughs> for leaving them in the lurch. <laughs> all right, yeah. So find us online and thanks for giving a rip about books.